0: you snacks but we've already been down that road welcome into another edition of the bragging rights podcast a podcast for the palmetto state in the palmetto state about the palmetto state which is uh just one of the great states for college football one of the most underrated states you know at the end of november uh looking on to that fateful day that will be had in williams bryce stadium this year we'll do a lot of extra coverage about the the history of the rivalry, probably some top five performances, top five games, perhaps all that kind of thing of the rivalry. And it really is the, the Palmetto bowl, whatever you want to call it is probably one of the most underrated rivalries in college football. Would you say that Justin? Uh, Yeah. Probably college sports in general. Yeah, for sure. You you have Duke UNC for basketball. You've got the iron bowl. You've got the game. Like you've got some great classic rivalries and Palmetto bowl, you know, this fight that we have every year has got to be in there, uh, among the top and, people don't really give it that kind of recognition. But so underrated is what I would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, I grew up thinking that it was recognized nationally <laughs> sure. as a thing. Because so it is talked about so much here. Uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise to me as I got older. And it's not one of the, you know... Top five national rivalries.
0: Justin, one of the top five moments probably of your life, I was reminded of on Twitter just a few moments before you got here to record this recap of week six, was, I don't know why it was on my Twitter page, maybe you'll help me understand if it was like a year ago to this day or what it was, but it was highlights of uh, 2009, South Carolina hosting number one Alabama. Oh, and Steven yeah. Garcia just going crazy. Ten. Ten. Was it ten? Yeah, okay. It was ten. I don't know if that was like year to the day or why somebody had resurrected those highlights on Twitter. But right there on my Twitter for you page was this yeah. uh, these these crazy highlights. Yeah,
1: that's probably close to. to what was eight. it?
0: The next week, uh, South Carolina went and lost to Vanderbilt, or was it Kentucky? Uh, Kentucky. Tough. But yeah, so listen. Uh, <laughs> tough.
1: Uh, about about that game, I was in uh, the hospital. In Lexington, my grandmother had been in the hospital for almost a month at that point. Um, watched the game in the waiting room there, running back and forth to her room, seeing my granddaddy and stuff. Uh, anyway, uh, lo- long story short, that was a crazy day because I was in Columbia when the game ended. And we were down in that area for, you know, the that entire evening. You couldn't get a call to go through. Wow. Like, text messages wouldn't work. Like, phone, phone service was non-existent in Columbia after that game. And I think it was because everybody was on their phone talking about that game.
0: We should do, um, like, a top five uh, games of each team outside of South Carolina Clemson games. So, like, top five South oh, Carolina yeah. games not against Clemson you know yeah, that, that would one. probably be yeah. what number 1 maybe maybe that game That'd against there, yeah. what that game when uh it, i think it was a th- for some reason i have it in my mind that it was a thursday night but south carolina hosted georgia georgia was like number 5 in the country south carolina was like number 8 and it was just a bloodbath it was a saturday it was a saturday, it was a saturday. i always envisioned that as a thursday night you know i am old enough to remember when there were really quality matchups on thursday nights for college football right you know and there were
1: good games now
0: i feel like <laughs> And and there were good games like ranked on ranked matchups. Yeah, there were some rivalry games like Clemson, NC State. You know those kind of games. Clemson, Georgia Tech. Yeah. And now I feel like they reserve they're they're getting closer to reserving those to Friday nights, which I guess I understand with Thursday night NFL football. But sure. I digress, Justin. This is a college football podcast about the Palmetto State, and that is where we begin. Justin, your team looked fabulous on Saturday. How they sure feel? did. You I did feel not fantastic.
1: lose. Didn't lose a game.
0: Uh, didn't really have anything to complain about for the first time in a while. It was a good day. Is there are there any things any, any words coming out of the bye week that that you would like to bring not, from your sources? Not so far. Yeah, ha-
1: haven't really heard anything. It's, it's been pretty quiet down in Columbia, and I don't know if that makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. Or or if I, I feel, feel good like, about. That. I feel like
0: sometimes you don't want to hear much yeah. out of a bye week. Yeah, yeah. You you wanted them to speak on the field, which you will right. do next week. Little, little, you know, you've got Florida coming into town this week. Right. We're going to talk about uh, in the next episode of our, of our preview show later this week, is this the biggest game of Shane Beamer's career? I think you can make the case because of what it means if you lose on Saturday. If you win, it's not to the same degree of Tennessee-Clemson, the the games you won last week and right. last year, yeah, yeah. as far as probably, probably you don't get Nicholas Harbor if you don't win one of those games. Maybe. Maybe you still do. But implications for recruiting, implications right. for sure. job security and – uh, where the where the program is headed, so you don't get that if you win, but you get all of the inverse if you lose. Implication of where the program is heading in the tanks. People are going to be saying two and four, all this kind of stuff. All right, I, I don't want to Yikes. get too ahead. Of, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. If
1: if this is the recap, I really don't want to hear the preview. <laughs> I,
0: I'm just asking questions. But there was a game in the Upstate that I was present for, seated on the 50 yard line. And Justin, before I talk about the game itself, can I just say? I was fully uh, baptized into casual waters on Saturday. The guys, really? I, the cats, I was sitting around, and they were and they were Clemson fans. There were a couple of funny Wake Forest fans. You know, Wake Forest played a lot better than even their own fans yeah. were expecting. I'm sure, um, but there weren't many of them present, and the game wasn't even sold out in general. Uh, so there weren't very many Wake Forest fans. There were a couple of funny Wake Forest fans around us that would, would cheer like crazy when they would do something in a sarcastic kind of way. Little little
1: but, little defense mechanism yeah, going on there. You know,
0: it was it was pretty funny. But right behind me, Justin, was just the most casual of casuals. And let me just say for a second, uh, let me give this for 10 seconds, then I'll give some examples. I always feel bad when I judge people um, at places like that where you've had to pay money to get in. Because sure. I know like... To go to a Clemson game uh, for the average person or a South Carolina game, like to go to a sporting event, you got to think about spending that money. You know, it's not just swipe the credit card. Like you have to think, right. okay, here's how much I've got in my bank account, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, I can imagine being the kind of person that saves up money to go to one Clemson game and you have the money to go to a. Not the biggest game of the season. So you go to the Wake Forest game, and all you want to do is watch the Tigers play, right? So I sympathize with that, and I try not to be that guy that's like, you idiots, uh, yada, yada, yada. But this guy, maybe that's his situation, and I feel for him if that's his situation. But Homeboy's just got to learn how to talk better. It was some of the worst display of casuality that I've ever heard on oh, display. No. And not like, not the kind of casual stuff of. You know, oh, Clemson's dead because we didn't have a 60 yard touchdown on the first play of the game. The kind of casualty, like uh, he called Troy Stellato the new Hunter Infro, which is just an insult to both Hunter Infro and Troy Stellato. Troy Stellato is a high four star. Yeah. Uh, coming out of high school, recruited by every program in the country. He runs athletic circles around Hunter Renfell.
1: Let, let me let me, let me me tell you what he meant when he said that.
0: Because he's white. Hey, look, a white boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, a white guy catching touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you're right. Yeah. He said at the end of the first half, so Justin, I don't know if you were watching much of this game, but at the end of the first half, it's 7-3. to 3, Clemson gets a stop, and Dabo calls a timeout. So you got about a minute 45 on the clock, and they're punting. Wake Forest is. Um, And the guy, when Dabo calls the timeout, you know, uh, and had Clemson retained possession of the punt, so spoiler alert, had they retained possession of the punt, Clemson would have had like a minute and a half with two timeouts, or maybe only one, but plenty of time to do something, right? The guy goes, "Uh, why are you calling a timeout, Dabo? Like, come on. Then, Then the true freshman muffs the punt, which he hasn't done to this point in the season, and the guy goes... Uh, oh, Dabo's poor time management, clock management skills uh, are going to screw us over. It's like if he catches that punt, you're sitting there going, man, we got a minute and a half with two timeouts. Come on. So just bad. Um, Then at the end of the game, uh, Wake Forest scores, and it's 17-12. Right before they go for two to make it a field goal game, Dabo calls timeout. And that leaves him, I think, with one timeout left in the half. But of course, you don't need those because you're hoping you get the onside kick and you just run out the clock, right? So he calls timeout, line up your best defense, stop the two point conversion, uh, and it worked. We lo- we stopped him on the two point conversion, and then he goes, he goes, you're gonna need that timeout on offense, Dabo. Why? You're just trying to run out the clock. He must be the guy that was telling Mario Cristobal to run the ball oh at the end gosh. of the game. So of course, what? Clemson got the onside kick had to, only had to get one first down and the game would be over that's exactly what happened but it was just a oh and a litany of other things that I would just kept looking to my uh looking to my wife and just kind of smiling during the game that it was it was it was hard it was hard not to turn around yeah you know um there was a time when Wake Forest fumbled the ball and then they were coming back to review and they were like uh, was his knee down you know so they put it up on the big Davatron, the big TV for everybody <laughs> for everybody to watch in the stadium and you know, his knees down, his knee. It always his knees not down right there. Look, his knees not down right there. And I just grabbed my wife by the hand and said, "That's not the knee they're looking at. It's just bad, just bad <laughs> oh, to watch, no. guys. Just bad, just hard to watch, <laughs> hard to be around."
1: Yeah, I, I've I've experienced that at times, man. It is so hard <laughs> not to turn and tell the person, like, "Hey, you're you're wrong. Just be right. be quiet." I, honestly. I've had that experience at like football parties, you know, where people get together to watch, and it's much harder there because you know the person who who has the bad takes. No, that's that's such a difficult thing to be around.
0: Another difficult thing to be around was the Clemson offense on Saturday. Holy cow, Alan! We thought, What, what is going on? I think you got a case of a team that you played their hearts out against Florida State, was really angry, and made a statement against Syracuse, and this you know, uh, they need a bye week. Yeah. They got caught kind of being too mellow, right? They got caught kind of just thinking that they they were going to hit. Cade, you know, this is the thing, right? Clemson fans, and I would think, and I'd say South Carolina fans because they hate Clemson, right? They've been around and they've seen the program and everything. Um, They, you know, we are used to Clemson quarterbacks not having off games. Right You know uh, Deshaun Watson I'm not sure he had Really any off games Of course he did But we don't remember those Trevor Lawrence Didn't really have Any off games Kelly Bryant did And it got him benched Right You know He did against Alabama In the Sugar Bowl And everybody wanted him gone You know The next The next year and, of course, then Trevor Lawrence went on to have three non-off games. And then, of course, DJ had tons of off games, and we got him kicked out, right? Right. So we're just not used to seeing a young quarterback who still is in his first year as the starter just kind of having off games. And he did. He missed a couple of throws. Also, we'll talk about this more at the end of the episode when we kind of look ahead to uh, just what does Clemson and South Carolina need to do to get to get up to this next – back to what does Clemson need to get back to it? What does South Carolina need to get to it? Uh, just – Position coach, uh, position coaches just messing up. Offensive line giving Cade great protection and him not remembering, him not realizing he has great protection. And then also offensive line just not giving him any protection. No run push. Wide receivers not running the right routes. Like you texted me when uh, Cade overthrew Hamp Green yeah. on what would have been a first down. Yeah. But then when you look at the review, like. If Hamp Green had run instead of kind of cutting it in at about the ten yard mark, if he'd have just cut towards the end zone on a yeah. seam, he had an open touchdown. Yeah, and you just go, if that's not Hamp Green, who's a you know who's a walk on type, type player, and if that's Tyler Brown, who's been you know Clemson's pretty much wide receiver number one the last several weeks, that's a touchdown because he runs the right route conceivably. And, and Cade wanted the right route. You could literally see he overthrows the guy. Of course, all the casuals behind me, as, yeah. we've, as we've well noted, go, where are you throwing that? And then you just see Cade put his hands on his helmet and look to the sidelines and just, like, look to point to yeah. Hamp Green and just go, what the heck? Like, why is he running that route when he's got an open touchdown? The offense looked sleepy. They did not cover the spread. They barely – they did not score 20 points. I didn't get my free Bowberry biscuit because they have to score 28 points to get a free Bowberry biscuit. Oh, man. Just miserable. Uh, they did They, get, they did get 300 yards of offense, so I can go to Hardy's today and get a three-piece chicken tender, which is nice. But I digress. This game was hard to watch. The defense looks incredible. And here's again for when we kind of talk about Clemson, what, what does Clemson need to do to get back to the top? It is so very obvious that the defense – you know, Dabo's been called this year, especially like he likes to hire friendship guys. Yeah. If you're Dabo's buddy, you'll get a job as a position coach at Clemson. Yeah. And it seems to be working on defense. The defense is great. Uh, you know, the defense, yeah, they, they – they, last year I think it took a while for West to get up to it. But the defense, outside yeah. of maybe one drive against Florida State at the end of the half, like the defense has been well, just yeah. incredible.
1: And I mean, you're going to give up drives here and there to anybody. Yeah, Brent Venables
0: gave up drives.
1: <clears throat> right, right. Uh, I, I think – I do think the defense looks really good. Defense as opposed to offense, though, is, is a uh, – a situation where like your your athletes could just shine through. Sure. So like, I don't I don't know that I'm ready to yeah. say that it's okay for Clemson's defense. Right. Uh, just with the amount of talent you have over there, um, but I mean you're right. The defense hasn't struggled this year. Um, well,
0: and the recruiting on defense hasn't really yeah. taken a dip. You know they're getting off they're getting defensive linemen galore. I will say the defensive line, like obviously, it took until last week for us to have. Uh, multiple sacks in a game, which is not very oh, wow. D line you. Yeah. But of course, now it's happening. It did take a while for the D line to get going this year, which is surprising. Returning a guy like Tyler Davis and Ruka Roboro sure. and Xavier Thomas, but the D, you know, and the the secondary linebackers really haven't skipped too much of a beat as far as recruiting and development. But the friendship hires on offense are definitely not working, and I think it's to that degree. Defense is more of a go get rather than a scheming, right. so you can let your athletes shine. Mm-hmm. And I hope, as we'll talk about later, that Garrett Riley was brought in by Dabo not just to call plays, but also to give a voice to, guys, we need to make adjustments at these position coach levels, yeah. or at least position stroke coach strategy. Because you- our off- offensive line and wide receiver are down right now. So
1: I want to I take you back to a comment that Dabo made in the offseason that we talked about after the first week, talking about, uh, we mm. brought him here to run the Clemson offense. Right. Do you think that's really the reason, you know, not necessarily friendship hires, but familiarity hires, right. that, that Dabo brings these guys in on offense because he's like, these are guys who know what we want right. to do. And even if even if that's the case, even if they do know, maybe they're not the best hire. Sure. Uh, I'd, I'd rather bring somebody in and say, this is what we're going to do. Right. You're the best out there. Help me make this
0: work. Yeah, I think Dabo, I think, Culture was huge for Clemson yeah. before the NIL days, um, and it still will be in the NIL days. It, it may be even it more. It
1: absolutely will. May, maybe yes. even more.
0: I agree with you. Because you will only want to bring uh, – you and transfer portal. You will only want to bring yeah. guys in that meet the culture, all that kind of thing. Right. But when it comes to coaching, I, you know, I think that that's where Davo got you know wanting to hire specific guys – in that way, yep. and I do think there will have to be adjustments <laughs> to,
1: made. To go on a little bit of a tangent there, nope. I've seen I've seen several people talk about some offensive linemen that uh, South Carolina had a chance to get in the portal this year, um, and you know for whatever reason we ended up not offering those guys, and uh, we had one that went to Auburn, one that went to, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember right now, but uh, for several of the scenarios where we didn't bring a guy in them or their parents have been talking about how they weren't brought into South Carolina and look, they could have potentially been a solution sure. on the line. As we talk about this culture thing, I wonder if that plays into it. If there's like a level of assessment, sure. we, we've talked you know, again, talked about South Carolina where the, the question is like, Hey, these are guys who could potentially help from an athletic standpoint. Are they going to help from a culture standpoint? Right. Uh, and, and I think you're exactly right. You've, you're going to have to balance that. Uh, Maybe maybe South Carolina could do a little better uh, on, on one side of that, sure. and Clemson could do a little better on the other. You know, you don't want to sacrifice culture for talent, but at the same time, you don't want to die on the hill of
0: right family you know, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because Because you
1: can you can bring in people in the portal who will fit what you want to do as a program. Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. And coaches, you know. Garrett Riley was a great hire. I, it is looking increasingly more like we're going to get more than one year out of Garrett Riley, yeah. and I think that'll be good. You don't even have to fire uh, Tyler Grisham, wide receiver coach, or Matt Austin, uh, the offensive line coach. You just got to make adjustments. Dabo did say after the game, which is funny because in the preseason he said, we've got seven starters on offensive line and ten guys we feel comfortable playing. And then after the game on Saturday, he said, I think this is the fattest team we've ever had, oh, meaning wow. fat and slow yeah. and not getting pushed. So maybe Dabo's realizing it. That was mean. Well.
1: You don't call people fat boys. Uh, us us larger know? guys, we yeah. don't like that. <laughs> we'll come
0: back to the Palmetto State here at the end. You would
1: never call anybody fat boy, right? I would never. <laughs> not before hitting the record button. There's no evidence.
0: <laughs> Justin, let's run through some of these games to watch. Justin, let's, let's look at the uh, – let's – Talk about Maryland Ohio State. So we said that this would be an interesting game. Uh, it was less interesting than I was expecting. Yeah, Maryland had every chance to make this their game. They did first quarter up seven nothing. Then they got a turnover in the red zone. They had the opportunity to make it their game, and it was interesting. I believe it was tied at halftime, and then Ohio State pulls away. They came out flat. They took yeah. it over. They went thirty-seven to seventeen, and I think Ohio State looked impressive in doing that.
1: Yeah, once once they woke up, they did come out flat, like we said could happen. I just thought that Maryland would be a little more dynamic than they were. Uh, it wasn't uh, wasn't exactly how I thought things sure. would play out, um, but yeah, once once Ohio State decided, hey, we we better take care of business, they did.
0: I think you've yeah. got, an Ohio State's one of them like 10 teams playoff-worthy, playoff caliber. Yep. Um, we'll talk about that later as the yep. season goes on. LSU-Missouri, this game went exactly how you thought it was going to go. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe a little less scoring yeah. is what you were expecting, yeah, at yeah. least from Mizzou in, yep. in, in particular. But Mizzou got up big, 22-7, to yeah. I believe it was. And LSU offense just kept chipping away and ends up winning 49-39. Yeah.
1: So, so that Missouri offense, there were times where they looked really good but then there were also times where they I, I had i said they can't keep up maybe what i should have said is they can't keep it up you know sure. they, they looked good at times but they just weren't able to to keep that pace going they weren't able to you know stay on the gas Justin allow
0: me to remind you that this is a family friendly show keep the innuendo to a minimum
1: <laughs> what? oh no Justin yeah. you're
0: right okay washington state went to ucla and this game i got to give you your flowers this week you were on a roll you were you were spot on after spot on after spot on.
1: A a, uh, a blind squirrel finds to nut every. Once Except a while. for a
0: text message that I will not out. We will you on not talk about that. Text that message. happened before one of the night games. Well, so it
1: turns out, you know, I just told you I had a funny feeling. It turns out I just needed to go grab a piece of pizza. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all it that was. Just a little hungry. Yeah,
0: but you Washington were spot was on. on. Washington State went to UCLA and UCLA was favored, and UCLA won. Yeah, they did. Twenty five seventeen.
1: It's kind of a fun game to watch.
0: Low scoring. Yeah. Dante Moore hitting his stride. He even
1: he even threw a pick six. Uh, so like, right? Uh, you know, you, you don't ever want to go back and, and do the whole revisionist history. Sure. go, Oh well, they scored one of their. But could it have been time. even bigger? But yeah, it could have been. You know, yeah. so that two hundred ninety
0: yards. He threw the ball forty four times. Wow. But they still ran the ball for one hundred and eighty yards, and that was with him himself. You know, being oh. sacked for a negative twenty five yards. Wow. This is not sack adjusted. So UCLA just balanced. When, performance when when he
1: figures it out when the light bulb really comes on for him UCLA is going to be a problem.
0: They stole him from Oregon, man. Imagine imagine. I guess you know if he was at Oregon right now, we wouldn't be seeing him playing right. except for when they were right. like ninety nothing on Portland State or whatever. <laughs> you, we wouldn't see him play to the degree yeah. he is. But imagine what we would be feeling, you know, towards the end of this year with Bo Nicks having yeah. another great year and Oregon looking real good. But again, I mean UCLA is pretty good, right? And they're going right. to the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and they're going to be they're going to look good with him next year. Like, uh, yeah, maybe we would feel better about Oregon having yeah. him, but UCLA yeah. still a good team. Alabama, Justin, again, spot on. Alabama went to Texas A and M. They were favored by two and a half, but it got all the way down to one. I said they were going to win huge. We both thought they were going to win. I yeah. thought they were going to win huge. You said they were going to win, and it was close. And darn if it was close. What 26-20? 26-20.
1: Well, is is this is this thing I said? You know, uh, there's something going on with the the home field advantage this year. Something mm-hmm. something just a little weird is happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, Texas A and M, they were a, a team that had multiple opportunities mm-hmm. uh, to to kind of I don't want to say put this one away, mm-hmm. but they they kind of I think because they were at home, this was a close game. Like like sure. I told you was going to be the case. Um, I think we're gonna have an Alabama problem this year,
0: Alan. Like they're just gonna keep winning. Yeah, I yeah. heard.
1: I heard somebody call it Zombie Alabama, mm. where where Alabama die. is is like yeah they're they're dead but they're not dead. Sure. Like you just can't quite get rid of them. Maybe a, maybe a better sure. uh, a scenario here is a who's the, who's the guy that Halloween guy Michael Myers. Oh, Michael Myers. Yeah, it's like you always think he's done. Yeah. And he's never chasing you. He's never running. Yeah. He's just always there. Well, I always I said
0: there. that if they won this game that I, didn't, I wasn't sure they would lose again, and I thought this yep. was going to be the most important game for them to win going forward, and they did. They got it done. Yep. They're figuring things out. Jalen miller figuring things out one one game at a time. You just got to win them one game at a time. That's right. Now, the funny thing is Texas A&M still, you know, Texas A&M and Ole Miss have both lost, both lost to Alabama, but they both only have one conference loss. Yep. Ole Miss, that's their only loss. A&M has two losses, but one of those out of conference yep. to Miami. Miami knew how to manage the clock in that game and <laughs> they've got their season ahead of them. You know, all you need is Alabama to slip up and lose to LSU and maybe Auburn at the end yeah. of the season. And either one of those teams if they continue to win could be in that SEC West chase. And quite frankly, LSU only has one conference loss.
1: Yeah. What happens what happens if LSU beats Al, if there's a three-way tie there at the end of the year with Ole Miss, LSU and Alabama, that tiebreaker could be interesting. If LSU were to beat Alabama, if Ole Miss wins out from here, and that's the only loss, yeah, for, for the, that could be a, a interesting little scenario. Wow,
0: there. that hurts my brain, Justin, on yeah. this Monday. Morning. We're we're
1: not prepared to talk about that yet.
0: And then we and had don't a, don't worry, Ole Miss is gonna lose another
1: game. So. Yeah, and then we had a
0: big one. Notre Dame went on the road to Louisville. Notre Dame was favored by almost a touchdown. Yeah, and I thought Notre Dame was gonna win big. I thought that they were gonna let the offense open up a little bit. And I thought that would be a, a super balanced, kind of opened up offense attack. And I thought their defense was good. But no, man. Louisville just took care of business. Here's, here's the deal. At some point,
1: you have to believe it when somebody tells you who they are. And I think the Notre Dame coaching staff has been telling us who Sam Hartman is by the way they've decided to play some games.
0: And when it was time for him to put the team on his back, he didn't do well, it. Well, do you know what he did? Not only did he throw his first interception of the game, but he he threw three, or not of the game, of the season. Yeah. He threw three of them. Against Louisville. Yeah. Okay, yeah, come on, man. It's tough. They only ran the ball for 44 yards. I mean, Audrick Estime only had 20 yards. And that was on 10, 10 carries. I mean, That's... Louisville wanted Sam Hartman to have to throw. In fact, he threw 38 yeah. times. And he looked human. He and did. You wonder, you know, is Louisville going to get that kind of turnover love in every one of these big matchups? A a, a decently big matchup against Pitt this week, which could have ACC title implications. Um, No, they're not going to get three turnovers, three interceptions at that. But they took care of it. They did what they had to do. And Sam Hartman looked pedestrian uh, to a degree. 250 yards passing, two touchdowns. Three interceptions. Yeah, the, those, if you tell me before the game he's going to have 250 yards passing and two touchdowns, yeah, yeah. i probably go, ooh, Notre Dame wins. <laughs> Notre, Notre Dame cause, wins. Because yeah. I probably think in my mind that opened them up to have 170 yards rushing. Yeah, for nope. sure. Nope, that's 44 yards rushing. It's
1: one of those games where Louisville said, we know what you want to mm-hmm. do. We're not going to let you do that. Beat us a different way. And, and listen, Notre Dame man, couldn't do it.
0: Jack Plummer getting his Notre Dame revenge. He played Notre Dame at while he was at Cal. He played Notre Dame while he was at Purdue. He was 0-2 against Notre Dame. There you go. Gets his revenge. Got it. Notre Dame uh Louisville had 185 yards rushing including that, Joear Johnson 143.
1: That's yards. another one that you just wouldn't have seen coming. Correct. Like Notre Dame is is a good defensive team. Yeah. It's not even that we thought they were we know they're good. Oh yeah. How did this happen? Yeah. It's it's what this is why we love college football, right? Like games on, like baby. this, Preach. where you just don't see it coming the way it happens, yeah. And it was, I mean, it was a fun game to watch. It was fun to be just, I, I like to live vicariously through through the underdog, right? I love to see the underdog win, especially when it's uh, a home game for the students there. Like you just know it was such a good time. It's it's sure. something unique to college football or college sports. Let's say that. Sure. It was it was a good game to watch. Yeah, Louisville.
0: You know, before the season people who knew the schedules and we've said it a couple times now Louisville had a favorable ACC yeah. schedule they could find themselves in that title game even with like three losses because yeah. they could have some out of conference losses yeah. because they didn't play any of the big boys and this one was circled as ACC. a loss oh yeah for you sure know? and it's not now they still have to win their ACC games right Louisville could sneak around and be like undefeated at the end of the season that's just that crazy uh that's ridiculous this Louisville team reminds me a lot of Uh, Clemson made the playoff 2015. It's the year they went on to lose uh, the national championship to Sean Watson. They faced in the ACC title game an 11 and one North Carolina team who lost the opening game to South Carolina. Right. And then went on to win the rest of their games. And they were number 10 in the country kind of quietly. And they had won 11 straight games and everybody was like, yeah, but they, but even if they beat Clemson tonight in the ACC championship, they're not making the playoff. Are they? And you're like, yeah, they're going to be a 12 and one conference champ. And, but nobody really respected it because they had gone on to be kind of 11 quiet teams and all this kind of thing. And Louisville kind of gives me those vibes. Like maybe if they even drop one game, they're going to be like 11-1, and one, barely in the top 25-ish because they don't really have a right. ton of notable games on the schedule. And they could be. And then, you, and then you're going to have to be like, do we take a team from 14 to number four? 14 to four, yeah. <laughs> If they beat well, Florida State. Let me,
1: let, me, let me say this. So Because you said they remind me of, and it, it made me think, who do they remind me of? It makes me think of those teams that did go undefeated. Like there was an Auburn team that went undefeated. Uh, You know, obviously Boise State, TCU, that have gone undefeated in the past before there was a playoff and they were left out. If they do go undefeated, I think there's no way they get left out of a playoff. But this is what I would say if they go undefeated and make it to a playoff, they're going to get embarrassed. Oh, yeah. It's going to be TCU,
0: of course. But I don't even think they have the firepower to sneak up on a team like TCU did. No. So. What an interesting game. All right, Justin, let's quicken it up. Yeah. But we got some big ones to talk about. Let's talk about Kentucky, Georgia first, because this game ended up being a schnoozer. Yeah. It's funny, when we talked about this on the podcast. When I originally kind of wrote out this Google Doc last week, I was feeling like Georgia's vulnerable on the yeah. run defense. Yeah. Kentucky likes to run the ball. And then as the week went on, I told you in the podcast, I hate everything that I said on this Google Doc. And yeah. I amended it and I said it out loud. I think Kentucky's gonna get stubborn and I think they're gonna get exposed. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. You know, Kentucky came into the game having run for about half a mile against Florida, <laughs> and they come against Georgia, and you just knew if they were gonna try and do that and get you know stubborn and complacent with it, they were gonna get exposed. And they ran the ball for fifty-five yards. Good now I guess it was more, that's not sack adjusted. But Ray Davis only had fifty-nine yards. His long was eleven. You know, he was busting 75 yarders against Florida yeah. left and right. They were yeah. just running over and over and over again. And they held Ray Davis to 59 yards rushing. And it wasn't because Devin Leary showed, you know, what people thought was going to happen where Devin Leary had 400 yards and looked like this dynamic quarterback. No, 128 yards, two touchdowns. You know, only threw the ball 26 times. It
1: was that thing we said. Georgia, you know, all of a sudden Kentucky looked like an impressive football team. And so Georgia says, you know what, time to show everybody who we are.
0: I like remind everybody. I love how – all the analysts were like, don't we do this with Kentucky every year? Yeah. Yes, and we tried <laughs> yeah. to tell you that. Yeah. Georgia looks good. You know, Georgia is the best team in the country probably right now, I, I although they look to be on a collision course with with Michigan. I mean, Michigan looks very good Michigan as well. Michigan does look good. And Carson Beck had 389 yards passing, four touchdowns. I mean, just looked really good. They had another buck 73 on the ground. I mean, everybody was getting involved in this game. You know, Brock Bowers had 132 yards passing. I mean, everybody was eating for Georgia. But we told you this was bound to happen yeah. eventually for Georgia. So I'm not even surprised. Does Georgia look like the best team in the country? Yes. Does it? Is it the case that I think at this point any team could beat them? Sure. And not I don't mean any team like Vanderbilt. I mean right. any of these top ten teams right now, especially the ones that have above average quarterback play, could get Georgia. Yeah. Because just like we saw with South Carolina and Auburn, if you can make their quarterback feel a little pedestrian, yeah. And feel a little average, and your quarterback can step up. For South Carolina it was Spencer Rattler throwing it all over in the first half. Yeah. For Auburn it was Peyton Thorne running all over in the first half. You can get them.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the thing about the thing about Georgia is the only way to beat them and this isn't so Fantastic insight or anything, you you cannot be one dimensional. You yeah. have to have the ability to, to run, and pass, not or pass. Right. Um, so you know, Kentucky came in and Georgia knew exactly what they wanted to do, and said no, it's not happening. Right. Um, I just, I think. Uh, uh, so somebody made the point, I don't know if I fully agree, but somebody made the point that this was the first game all year that Georgia said we need to make a statement. Sure, and they um, did. And, and-, and you <laughs>
0: just felt it coming. You yeah. just felt it brewing, man. Yeah, absolutely. It was a... Uh- it was uh, to, to love to use our Crock-Pot. Like, you knew this thing was – all week long, this food was cooking low and slow, yeah. and then it just busted out. Yeah, well,
1: let's so, go. So, so you're right. It's just that the Crock-Pot uh, – maybe we could say this was a flash fry sure. kind of game, though. You know, We, we felt it. We felt oh, yeah. it cooking all week. But, but in terms of real game time, like – uh, this game was over. Yeah, quick. It was fourteen nothing like that, it, just like
0: that. And and yeah, you you felt like the offense was going to come and show out. So so Kentucky got the
1: ball and their first play was like a seven yard run and you know every Kentucky fan out there
0: was like yes yeah. yes this is our year. this
1: is what we want and then no <laughs> right. it just wasn't.
0: And Georgia's so, got Vanderbilt this week. They're probably going to just wax them. Then they've got a bye week. <laughs> it's gonna, that game's going to be like.
1: Thirty-one to three or something like that. It's not going to be what we think it's going to be. You think so? It's going to end up being like it could be sleepwalking Georgia.
0: Justin, there was a big one in Dallas, Texas, dude. What a game! High noon, which was eleven a.m. local time. Can you imagine if that Fair. had been a prime time game? Yeah, sorry. It's noon every every year. Yeah, I thought it was on Fox. Um, high noon or a big noon kickoff. But no, it was on ESPN. Oh, it was. It's just noon. I think it's just noon because of the state fair. I believe be, I believed
1: year. you when you told me it was yeah. the big deal. Well, it was noon. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. and 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 in previous years it has been owned by you're, Fox for yeah, that year. Yeah, yeah. But no, man, I think it's just noon every single year because of the state fair. You're 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 right. And it was a doozy. Uh I was walking around Clemson campus eating raisin canes and walking all over downtown watching this game on my phone. What it, a it life was, you live, Alan. Woo, baby. It was a doozy of a game. The Dylan Gabriel show Dylan Gabriel obviously by way of UCF and some and some season ending injuries has found his way to Oklahoma and last year he was injured for this game did not get a chance to play Of course Texas won about 49 to, a bill to you know about a billion to zero 49 to nothing Dylan Gabriel was healthy and it was the Dylan Gabriel show he had a 285 yards passing and he had 113 yards rushing so I mean he was doing it all he was their leading rusher by far they did not have a running back matching him you know their their highest running back had 46 yards rushing. Quinn Ewers had uh 346 yards passing and then they had, you know, a, a wide receiver throw a 25-yard pass as well. So Texas way out through them. Texas uh did not way out rush them, but their running backs, Jonathan Brooks had 129 yards on the ground. So Texas outgained uh by a little bit. I mean, this was just a this was just a tight matchup yeah. at every step of the way. Yeah. Texas made some key and red zone.
1: As, as you're as you're watching the game, it looked like it was going to play out how we said. Right. We said that Oklahoma hasn't quite been there; they're a year away. It was going to look good for a while, then Texas would pull away. It looked like Texas might might do that, sure. and then Oklahoma just wasn't willing to let that happen. Yeah, uh, it was it red was a really turnovers. good game to
0: watch. There were a couple of red zone turnovers and also a turnover on downs in the red yep. zone. Quinn Ewers had two interceptions. Dylan Gabriel didn't make any of those kind of mistakes. Right. Last-minute drive. A minute and, what, 17 seconds they got the ball with. And they went down the field, a couple of big throws, and then big-time pass into the end zone with all the bodies around him. Yeah. Just, a, just a crazy was, throw, wide-open guy. This was Oklahoma's game.
1: I love watching that final drive where a quarterback says, no, sir, we're going to win this football right. game. And that's right. exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, and – I came out of this game thinking, way to go, Oklahoma. You proved, you know, way to go, Brent Venables, right? There by way of Clemson for many years. I'm glad he's proving to be an elite coach. He's recruited well. Now he's preparing his team well on offense and defense, uh, before game and during game. He looks to be a good coach. Way to go, Oklahoma. You proved yourself. You're. They have the highest win-out percentage right now, FBI-wise, or, or – or, prediction-wise, because they have a pretty soft schedule. So, way to go. You're going to be in the Big Ten, uh, Big 12 championship. But Texas is better. And Texas Ooh. is going to get the rematch. You, th- you think Texas yeah. is going to win that rematch? I think Texas might win the rematch by double digits. Oh, wow. Because wow. it was so neck and neck. Yep. Oklahoma obviously wanted it more, and yep. they looked more intense. Texas has been rolling high since they – Texas wanted it against Alabama. They had revenge. They had right. we need right. national map. We need to be on the map nationally. They had all of that working for them when they played Alabama. They were some people's number one team going into this game.
1: Are you are you ready to predict uh, a scenario where both Oklahoma and Texas make the playoff? Wow,
0: no. <laughs> there are several conferences that could have two teams in the playoff yeah. this year. Uh, I'm sure one team will or two teams will prove to be head and uh, shoulders above the rest. Yeah. Georgia, Michigan, maybe, maybe just Georgia, maybe just Michigan. But if any year looked like we needed a twelve team playoff, that it would be this year. year. But regardless, uh, look at that, Justin. Spam calls, telling you about those before the podcast. Uh, Oklahoma, they had all of that now working for them. They needed revenge. They needed to be on the national spotlight. They needed to be on the national map. They needed to prove that they could win the big one. And they did. I think Texas will have have that again working for them when they face off again in the Big 12 championship. And I think Texas will win. I think they win by double digits. Which a double-digit win may be the thing that knocks Oklahoma out of that two big 12 teams in the playoff did you have any different takeaway after this game
1: uh not really um it was a uh, so i gotta be honest i didn't get to watch most of it live i was at uh, all patrol i was no i was at my little cousin's birthday party uh i couldn't even tell you what the theme was at this point mm. anyway i had, had a good time there they had the game on i didn't get to watch a ton. Um, I did get to stop at a gas station. Man, this this was the greatest thing ever. If you're coming back from Columbia, going up Highway 77, Interstate 77, uh, exit 55 maybe, I'm not sure. Anyway, we pulled off because we needed to feed the baby. Uh, Micah and I went into the, the gas station. Tiny little gas station. And this wonderful, incredible fella behind the counter had probably a sixty-inch TV <laughs> right at the counter he's been where working he, he's just Saturdays. sitting watching. Yeah, yeah, sitting watching some college football. So we got to see the end. Um, then you know, go back and watch the highlights, see what people had to say about it. Uh, I just I was really impressed with the way Oklahoma would not die sure. in this game. I they, agree. With they that. had opportunities to just roll over. And and they said
0: no, which shows that they're well coached, right? Yeah, and I agree. Intensely coached.
1: Yeah. Uh, the The other kind of takeaway, listen, you're gonna have you're gonna have like Caleb Williams who puts up massive numbers because he's at USC. Because any quarterback mm-hmm. in a Lincoln Rally offense is gonna put up big numbers. Dylan Gabriel is your husband winner, man. Like oh, even wow. if he doesn't win it, he he is right now the guy who I think is most. He's got the Heisman uh, moment. Yeah, he he he's got that Heisman moment, and. Uh, I think he's the guy that has put his team on his back at this point. Like, I guess that is what a Heisman moment is. But right. uh, if you're telling me that I have to vote right now, um, which I don't ever get to vote, uh, but if, if you were saying that it was that Justin, who's your Heisman winner, is Dylan Gabriel, and it's because of what he did in this game.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, he's got the moment. Yeah. He's He's got the. Wow, that screams Heisman. Yeah. Minute drive against your rival to get revenge in a game you didn't get to play in yeah. last year.
1: Well, here's just just to rant for a second. My frustration with the stupid Heisman thing is at this point, it's just who can put up the most ridiculous numbers. It's not about who's the, the best player, like objectively, because stats right. don't tell you who the best player is. Right. But it's all about, oh, he's got the best stats out there. He's got the most yards. He's got the most touchdowns. That's not what the Heisman should be. Sure. Of course there's a part of that. But we've got to weigh some things out. Sure. Anyway, we don't need to go much further on that.
0: Justin, a couple of things to just note. we had You were feeling upset special this week. Yeah. And you highlighted a couple of games very they quickly. Did. Vanderbilt, Florida did not go that way. It, it wasn't it. that close. Florida did win by three-plus scores. They did. But well, you said it. Fresno State at Wyoming. Wyoming uh, had beaten Texas Tech. They had yeah. kept it close with Texas and dang, they beat them. They, they beat did. Fresno State. They they beat Fresno State without scoring a point in the second half. There you go, man. Yeah, Outright upset. Wild. Wyoming is cracked the top twenty five. If yeah. I kick you know, kicked Fresno State out. Yeah. Then you thought Arkansas would uh, beat Ole Miss. Not not yeah. did not happen. Ole no. Miss took care of business. You know, getting themselves closer and closer to that three way tie that you were just talking about. Right. And then Arizona State. Colorado, you called this one, this could be a frustrating outcome. Arizona State, without any quarterbacks, 1-5 in five now, but kept it really close. Colorado ended up coming out with a field goal to win it at the very end. And then Shadur Sanders just went to the student section and made a fool of himself. I, I, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, he went to the student section for Arizona State and was flexing his watch to them. You know what I mean? Which on, uh, of course everybody memed because you know Arizona State's one in five and all this kind of right. stuff. Right. And then somebody on Twitter said, uh, "You you know Baker Mayfield used to plant flags in the ground and grab his crotch, and you guys loved it." And and, and we all know why you don't like it with Shadur. And he's ta- He's trying to race bait, obviously. Right. No, we hated it when uh, we we hated it. universally. We hated it when Baker Mayfield. I saw grabbed
1: nobody it. who loved that.
0: I think yeah. people people loved the plant the the flag planting because it was on the road at Ohio State. Right. That's different. They hated the crotch grabbing because it was against Kansas. Yeah. It was which on the sideline against Kansas. Yeah. Stupid. So nobody liked that. And had Shadur done this to USC last week, we'd be like Come Everybody would have loved oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you can't do that kind of stuff against Arizona no. State. Not when you barely win. No. But Colorado got the win. They're four and two. You know else is four and two. Plenty of other teams. That didn't that that thought they were going to be better, yep. and Colorado shouldn't be better than four and two, shouldn't be better than two and four, and they yeah. are, and good for them. Justin, as we end this little uh, recap of the week, we 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 hinted at some some questions we wanted to kind of talk as a preview to the preview. Yeah, Southcon has been on bye, so it's not like you're reacting to anything that happened right. this week. But Justin, I just wanted to ask you. We talked a little bit over the season because it appears Clemson is down for a third straight year. Not going to. Compete for any national yeah. titles. What needs to happen at Clemson to get them back to the top? But uh, before we talk about that, because it'll go, I think, quicker yeah. because I've already said something. What needs to happen at South Carolina to get them to the top?
1: To get to the top, yeah. Like not not a not a course correct for this year. No. But what needs to happen for South Carolina right. to be a after national seeing Clinton what
0: now. your team is like yeah. this year? Because I have answers now that I've seen Clemson. Yeah. But we yeah, couldn't yeah. have known that until the game started being played.
1: Uh, so the the first thing that needs to happen, and look, just just where we are, people want the microwave, you know, rebuild, right? You, you want, you want your food and you want it now. Uh, so Shane Beaver's in year three and everybody wants to see Shane Beaver as a, as a contender right now, but what's going to have to happen is a legitimate identity is going to need to be established on offense right now. We're trying to do what we can. That's what it looks like. Uh, I look at a, a team who right now, your, your two best offensive linemen are freshmen. You've got some more really strong offensive linemen coming in. Uh, recruiting is going really well. I think the biggest thing that needs to happen for South Carolina is, first of all, six wins. You've got to be bowl eligible. you got to show consistent success. And I think that, that making a bowl game is success. The biggest thing that has to happen is patience. Uh, I think you got a coaching staff who's doing it right. You can't sit there and say, oh, no, we only won six or seven games this year and, and start getting unhappy and letting the recruits hear that the fans are unhappy with the coaching staff. you just got to take a step back and say, wait, we just wandered through the wilderness for almost a decade. Mm. Let's take a step back and just be okay with success and building a program and having a coach who really wants to be here. Um I think what you're going to see after this year, um, the best quarterback we've ever had in our history will be gone, um, just in terms of pure talent. You're going to have, uh, I think you're going to see a team that makes a move to be more of a power running team with some, uh, maybe not air raid, but uh, let's just call it air raid concepts. You're going to want to run the ball. You're going to want to be able to throw based off of your success in the running game. It's going to take time to build it. Um, you're you're going to be somewhat of a little bit of a special prep. Uh, not, not in the sense that the triple option is a special prep, right. um, but uh, you're, you're going to try to be able to do multiple things, but be simple, uh, be able to do it simply. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, not have this expansive playbook or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's purely about patience. Uh, in the SEC, and really in college football, in the, but in the SEC, games are won at the line of scrimmage. And it just takes time to build that. Sure, we have to be patient and let it happen.
0: Sure, I think that's right. I think yep. patience. You know, you could make the case Sarks in year three. Yeah, but he's uh, at Texas, and and Brent Vittles is in year two. Yeah. But they're at bigger brands. Yeah. You know, all, all of that kind of thing. They're trying to do things differently. They probably already had more talent on on hand anyways. Dude, but the, they have the ability to recruit better the, talent.
1: The rebuild that Shane Bieber took over yeah. wouldn't have made the playoffs in FCS competition. Oh wow. Like that roster that he took over was not a good roster at all. Maybe sure. they would have made the playoffs. But they were they, sure. they would not have been a contender in FCS football. Wow. Like, I mean,
0: truly, if you go back and look at that roster, man, it was tough. We and you have a and, – and the bonus of Shane Beamer, which you've said a number of times over somebody like Will Muschamp, is you have an identity. Yeah. You have an identity. You you Not just wilderness because you were losing games yeah. and losing to your in-state rival but Wilderness because you felt like the team didn't have an identity. Yeah, and,
1: and, like, the, the fans didn't really, like, know who we're supposed sure. to be. I mean, I can not remember growing up and and every game, every game you're like, hey, we have a chance to win this one. Even, even if we really didn't, like, right. on paper, it felt like we had a chance to win. But over the last five years, or the five years before Beaver, anyway, four years before Beaver, it felt like we were just terrified. Sure. Like, the, the, the talk wasn't there. It didn't feel like we were a fan base who even believed in our team. Right. And that's never been the history for South Carolina football. Uh, so having a guy who is, who is a leader, who understands the fan base, who understands the, the culture and the program, we as a fan base have to say, Shane, you're the guy, we trust you, build it. Yeah.
0: And then we just have to step back and let him do it. Well, you know, and and to comp with Clemson, you know, there were years under Dabo that you thought, man, uh, could somebody else beat our in-state rival? Yeah. But it took five, six years to get this things rolling. Yeah. Patience is key. And, right. and you know, five years is a long time to lose games that you feel like, oh, man, yeah. maybe that one other coach would get us this win or that one extra five-star would have got. You just lose those games because you're building culture, right. and you'll get it there. Clemson, on the other hand, Clemson uh, has a culture already built. We're talking about, you know, Shane Beamer is building a culture and establishing a culture, and that's needed. Clemson has a culture. So what does Clemson need to do to get back to the top? It's smaller but super important fixes, like we've talked about. It's the little things with Clemson. It's, uh, it's culture that might be feeding into bad hires, but it's bad hires. It's things like uh, – it's little things like Hamp Green being on the field when Tyler Brown should be on the field. It's little things like the offensive line is not nearly as good as we thought they were going to be. So what's wrong with our offensive line evaluation? Special teams has been down the entire Dabo era. Special special teams has been a weakness of Clemson. You know. Um you know, are there better where where why don't we have a Pete Limbo? And I know they don't grow Pete Limbos on trees, right. but they grow special teams coordinators. Like there are tons of special teams coordinators that are very good at their job that would love to come to a program like Clemson. So that's that's an
1: interesting thing right there because uh, when I saw the the Muff Punt before halftime, my my first thought was. Does Clemson have more buff punts and more special teams miscues than than most other top yes, teams? Correct. They and, do, and that's just it, it's weird that, that, yeah. you, that you brought that up. I thought it, and I didn't want to say it because right. you know obvi- we've talked about my bias. You right. know, like we we acknowledge that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but for you as a Clemson fan to say like, hey, there's a there's an obvious weakness yeah. on special teams. No, yeah.
0: every um, every single team that Clemson plays, Clemson has uh, the weakness has the yeah. lesser punter. Yeah. And pretty much the lesser special teams as a whole. And now, you know, and I don't count the kicking situation this year necessarily against the special teams coordinator, except for against Duke with the first blocked field goal, Duke overloaded the left side of the line, and your coordinator doesn't see it. You know, your special teams guy doesn't see it, and either call timeout or make an adjustment or something, and so they blocked it. But, like, Robert Gunn getting the yips... Special teams coordinator didn't know that was going to happen. Really? He recruited a five-star kicker or, you know, a four-star kicker or whatever. He the, recruited a very Whatever good the equivalent yeah. of a five – like the, the best kicker you could, you could go out there. And Robert get Gunn was a highly recruited kicker. Yeah. He recruited him, and the kids got the yips. You don't count that against the coordinator. But you do count uh, all the times that we give up, big returns on kickoff, all the bad punts that we've had, not being able to recruit a punter, punt coverage, punt return. All these things are a weakness for Clemson over yeah. and over and over again. So it's little things like position coaches that are Davos' friends. You know, you could even throw, like I've said, Tyler Grisham, Matt Austin. These guys obviously need to have changes made. But you could even throw somebody like C.J. Spiller in there. Like I was going to ask. Running back has been, you know, we came into this season thinking Clemson's got maybe the most underrated running back room in the country. And both of them are being underutilized. Yeah. Now, Maffa fumbles a couple times against Duke. You know that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. Will Shipley drops a pass that leads to an interception against Duke. Like, yeah, that's not on the coordinator. But uh, taking Shipley out at times, not putting Maffa in at times. You know, not developing either one of them, taking them out, putting them in, in the wrong situations. You know, why is uh, why are we running screen passes to Maffa when Will Shipley's the all-purpose back? Yeah. Why are we got? Why do we have uh, Shipley in there at a goal line situation when Maffa is the bruiser right, back? Right. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, missing out on Trevor Etienne. You know, uh, Trevor Etienne, it was down to Clemson in Florida. And C.J. Spiller just kind of stopped, rec- stopped recruiting him. Wow. And why? You know, I mean, he's a legacy guy. And I think he was leaning Florida, but you could have gotten him. Yeah. You You feel like if you're Clemson. Uh, you feel and, and he'd stopped recruiting him and there were a couple of down years of recruiting running backs now We've had a couple of good guys coming in and this uh, four-star kid We've got coming this year. is probably gonna be really good So maybe he's making up for it, but it was a bumpy start for CJ Spiller at running back coach
1: So here's here's the question I have these these issues that you're having on offense You know you you made the case that maybe you need to look in different areas for position coaches is it the fact that you're in year one of a new coordinator and, sure. and, and the staff itself has to figure out how to work together. Yeah, you can do some of that the off-season, sure. but it takes real game experience to really sure. get a good feel for each other. Sure. I wonder if you're seeing some of that. Because, um, I mean, it's it's not often that a coordinator comes in and doesn't really bring his own people. Sure. you
0: know At least a couple. Sure. Uh, no, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that that's right. I think you see – I think the whole – First year of a new staff thing you see, especially in somebody like Kate Klubnick, because yep. Kate Klubnick is still figuring things out. Right, snap the ball at the wrong time while Shipley was still moving. Five yard penalty when we were on the three yard line. Yeah. you know that's on the quarterback. That's a simple little they, mistake. They still had
1: they still had a, a exchange issue. They fumbled yeah. on a whether it, whoever's fault it was. There's just not. It uh, was Kate's, but yeah, yeah, it was so, Kate's
0: fault. And so yeah, I think you could be. I think that could be a. You could make the case for that. And maybe Garrett. You know, is just working up that voice to say yep. to a wide receivers coach, when we're third and seven, in plus territory, do not take Tyler Brown out and put yep. Hamp Green in yep. on the money route. You know, yep. on the route that's going to give us a God. same touchdown. You know, don't do that. Don't yep. take the Don't take the experienced four star out yep. and put in the country club recruit. You yep. know what I mean? Like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, country club recruit. Well, I mean, that's the yeah. kind of you know. Yeah. Don't you know? We used to just like Clemson fans for years, and when you had Trevor and Deshaun, you kind of masked over this. But you used to just go like, "Why is it the middle of the third quarter and one of the Sweeney boys is out there running routes?" I'm oh like, yeah, stop! Like, yeah. you know, don't do that. And it's yeah. not Dabo. I mean, it's position coaches making poor decisions, and yeah. maybe some of it's Dabo. But yeah. there's a there's a yeah. there's not a culture that needs to be changed at Clemson. There are one percent issues, one percent differences. You could put this on the running back coach, but Maffa doesn't recognize the blitz against Florida State that causes the scoop yeah, and score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's the game right there. You know if even if Clemson just doesn't score on that drive you still punt and back them yeah. up and they're they, obviously they didn't score any offensive points uh outside of one drive in the second half did yeah. Florida state so you're just like little little 1% changes change the whole season yeah. uh, could change the whole season I, and could change next year
1: i'd be i'd be really curious to see you know like last year everybody thought that the Clemson offense was just going to be you know insane this year because of what TCU did last year. And I think it was entirely because of what TCU did last year plus the, you know, athletes that Clemson has. I I just wonder there's there's something there, you know, um, was 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 Garrett Riley really calling plays at TCU as he came to Clemson like what kind of restrictor has been has been put on him, if any, I'm not saying there has been. You know, what's the disconnect there? And honestly I as a football fan, as a college football fan, I really hope he stays a year. And I almost hope there's no real changes on the staff. Because I'd love to see what sure. happens next year. Sure. You're lo- looking at some of this. Like, do they take off all of a sudden next year? Because there's been some continuity. There's been more time to get comfortable. And uh, uh, the staff can work together and feel more comfortable kind of talking right. to each other. Uh, you know, saying the things that need to be said. I- I'd be really curious to see what happens
0: there. I still firmly believe Clemson can win 10 games this year. Yeah. Yeah, like they're going to be on bye this week. Then they're going to have Miami. You know, I think they could be Miami. Man,
1: talk, oh, gosh. We didn't even talk about that, did we?
0: No, we did But,
1: look, okay, if you're still listening, which if you're not, I shouldn't even address you because you're not listening, but <laughs> if you're still listening, if you haven't seen the end of that Miami-Georgia Tech game, let me just tell you. Uh, Mario Cristobal should never be allowed to coach football again. It should it should be a law in the United States of America that if you mishandle a football game the way he did, you should never be allowed. Like every every football field in America should have a restraining order against you.
0: You shouldn't. You shouldn't be allowed to see a football. I think your TV provider shouldn't give you ESPN. I think we shouldn't even say what happened. Uh, We should just let the listener, if they don't know, just look it up. Go find it. It was disastrous. And he's done it more than once. That's the thing. <laughs> he did it while he was at Oregon. You did it at Oregon. The exact same thing. And
1: it was your mistake. And you don't learn from it. I football How? Hard
0: to watch. That, How? That would... my
1: wife knew what to do in this Ugh.
0: situation.
1: I love my wife, but she's not a football coach.
0: Do you think she's barely uh, a
1: football fan?
0: You think the kick six. Alabama Auburn is more forgivable than this. Absolutely, it putting is putting in the true freshman kicker to kick <laughs> At, like a sixty yarder, yes. and then it r- turns out to be there. Ab-
1: absolutely it's more forgivable. I think so. This too. was this, like I said, this is unforgivable. In Iran, he would have gotten the death penalty. He would have he would have. We're getting uh, He absolutely would have. We're
0: getting political here. This
1: is No, it's not political. first, just, innuendo, just
0: now political? Yeah, my goodness. No, I'm just kidding. My goodness. You know what else is unforgivable, Plus Justin? That. Not listening to this podcast and not texting it or sharing it to one friend. That's absolutely If you're listening right. to this podcast, text this episode to just one friend. Tell them to skip to 57 minutes when we get political. That's talking right Talking about Iran. That's
1: exactly right.
0: Justin, uh Iran, Iran and Iran. You know, three miles the other day. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) What an episode.
1: Yeah. (laughs)